Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping people get the inside scoops on the life in our church. And uh, we're continuing on with some kind of COVID-19 specific conversations, uh, knowing that our world's been kind of turned upside down. And so uh, today I've got uh, Samantha Kenny with us, our interim homeless shelter director. Sammy, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, Again, this is a modified format. Audio is not fantastic, but uh, we appreciate the uh, extra grace required. Uh, Sammy, can you uh, just give us a sense of what your life looks like working from home? Or maybe you're in the office sometimes. What uh, what's what's the last month or so looked like for you? Um, It's been challenging. So I'm trying my best to work from home uh, the majority of the time. I am in and out of the office sometimes because that's needed. Um, but I have a seven-year-old at home and a new puppy, and my husband's still working. So it's definitely been challenging in a time when my workload has increased somewhat to have more demands from home as well. So James has had no home- homeschooling. The, the, <laughs> the school keeps sending me links, and I'm sure they think I'm a degenerate parent, but I just can't get around to it. So it, it's a challenge, but it's, you know... It, is where it is it's amazing how many people uh, i think dreamed of the luxury or the convenience of working from home until they had to do it yeah or until the kids <laughs> i'd like to work from home if my child was in school <laughs> right until right it's the working from home and having the kid home from school at the same time that's the crisis yeah hey exactly. um, just a, just a few kind of reflections and some preliminary thoughts on where we've been the last month or so i know it seems like a year or two ago when uh, this whole thing kind of shook down, but it's been really just over a month. Um, As you think back to just before spring break, when things started to kind of unravel in our, in our society, um, can you remember anything back then as things started to change and, and uh, when you first realized, Ooh, I don't think that things are going to be the same anymore. Uh, yes, I can. I can specifically remember where I was standing. <laughs> I was in a classroom in Glenridge and with Brendan Nicholson and a few other staff, Erica Singer, and we were talking to Nate. We were discussing whether we should postpone or cancel our uh, shelter retreat. We go every year to Muskoka Woods. Right. We had a phone call from Muskoka Woods saying, hey, what do you think we should do Like with COVID? Do you think we should go ahead as normal? And so I just remember that being a discussion. And then by the end of that day and the next morning, everything had changed. I remember going f- uh, from feeling somewhat uncertain and a little bit guilty about the, the decision to cancel um, Muskoka Woods to within less than 24 hours being absolutely certain that that was the best decision to keep everybody safe and how quickly that changed. It was, uh, it was very odd. Yeah, there was a transition, if we can remember back, you know, from everything kind of all systems normal uh, to now where almost nothing is accessible. But there was this intermediate where it went from all to some to none. And when you had to make decisions in that some, whether we still gather, whether we still gather as a small group, whether we can gather as a group of 250 or less or then 50 or less or 10 or less or five or less, it kind of evolved you know, sometimes over days, sometimes literally over hours. And uh, it, it did make decision-making difficult in some of those interim 
eras. Whereas now you look back and you think, well, obviously you were, you were canceling, you were shutting that down, but it, it wasn't so obvious at the beginning, was it? That's it. It was, it was, like I said, going from feeling, should we, shouldn't we to within 24 hours, absolutely. We made the right call. Things just, um, yeah, the, the change was so quick. And I would still, I'd say we're still experiencing some of that rapid change in the homelessness system and how we're adapting. But yeah. 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 Um, looking back to those early days, um, just at a very personal level, uh, you know, as a, as a parent, spouse, just a human, how were you feeling? Do you remember some of the thoughts or feelings that were, uh, uh, that you were experiencing or processing back then? I remember feeling um, overwhelmed with the amount of change and the weight of the responsibility from the work perspective. But from a home life perspective, I don't think I really understood the gravity of the changes until um, a good week, two weeks into it. I, um, yeah, I think just in a bit of a blur. And I remember thinking, are we overreacting to something? Um, are we making like the consequences and the decisions? Do they actually correlate properly to the risk that we're in? And obviously, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. And looking back now, yes, they did. But in the initial phases, I wasn't sure that all our action steps were actually correlating to the risk. But mm. yeah, like I said, now I do. So, mm. um, I've been asking this of all of our senior leaders lately. As a follower of Jesus, from a faith perspective. Do you remember any thoughts or ideas that were kind of angering you at that time? Or what was your default response? Well, I would love to say that I my default was to get on my knees and pray and lean into God more. And, and with some hesitancy, I'm going to share this. I didn't do those things. My natural... My personality is very task oriented, so I just hunkered down, got the team around, and I, I specifically remember working lots of hours around just the logistics of running a shelter through this and the tasks that had to be got done. That was my initial focus. However, I did ask, <laughs> I asked my um, my wonderful family and friends and life group to pray about it, but. Um, I'm glad to say as time's gone on, I have definitely taken more time to lean into God and pray daily and, and get back on track with devotions and listening to God. But in the initial, my initial faith perspective, I don't know if I should be proud of that. I don't think so. The, the honest leader. <laughs> pray for me. I've got work yeah. to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And as a, I mean, as a church leader, knowing that you were defaulting so much to that sense of responsibility, um, what were some of your preliminary thoughts knowing that here you are the interim director of the shelter thinking, man, what kind of a time for Annie to go off on maternity leave? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want my thoughts? No, I'm only kidding. Um, I, I actually, uh, joking aside, other than the profanities of like, holy moly, whatever this is happening, actually started to think about it in, I, when I think back to like any crisis, 9-11, World War Two, like this could be a really cool time for God and his church to shine. I think sometimes when we're faced with so much uncertainty, it can actually draw us closer to him. And for those that already have like a grounding in faith, like just it's been really cool to see that peace above our circumstances. Um, so, yeah, just as like a church leader thinking, 
um, I thought back then and I still think now this is actually a really cool time that we could be heading into to, to support people where the church can actually step up like with online services, with Zoom lobby meetings where people who may be naturally introverted can still connect with people where they wouldn't have in a physical building. Um, yeah, it's, it's just I think there is some pretty cool things that we can lean into if we if we choose to do so. And that's definitely been the default of us as a leadership, you know, even very early on as we were processing this, it felt like, you know, as I've talked to other other pastors, you, you see this default to kind of cut back or this default to step up. And, yep. you know, when you kind of surveyed our collective pulse, all of the respective departmental ministry areas each individually and then us together, I think immediately and collectively had the lean in, let's rise and shine like never before. Uh, not only because yeah, of the spiritual sure. opportunity, but I would say that the, without even really being able to process it at the beginning, just sensing the, the, the potential of the immensity of need. Yeah. And now, yeah, you know, when sure. you see the need of isolation and the challenges of anxiety and mental health, you know, let alone the needs that those on the margins disproportionately face in, in times of crisis. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would hate to see, you know, the agent of hope and transformation in the world, the Church of Jesus Christ, shrink back. It's just not that yeah, time, right? It's, it's No, it's not. There's there's too much need. No, and so, uh, you know, we want to talk specifically about how we've been navigating that in the, the world of serving the homeless in our uh, St. Catherine's Locations Homeless Shelter. And a uh, little bit of a twist on this one because uh, we've been kind of on a path without people maybe realizing, we've been kind of on a path of expansion in our shelter and that's continuing uh, COVID or not. So <laughs> I want to yes. dig into this uh, <laughs> a, a little bit. Certainly this has made your life extra busy lately, but uh, a lot of people may not know as you're listening that uh, part of our uh, funding model for our, our homeless shelter and the various supports that it provides uh, is through the regional government. We have kind of a, a partnership with the regional government, but our contract uh, expires every 30 or so months. And yes. so as of the 1st of April, the end of March, our most recent contract was expiring. And so we've been for months uh, kind of preparing uh, proposals for this next round, now it's a three-year funding cycle, but we've been kind of preparing ourselves for these proposals for this uh, next round of funding for our shelter and our ministry to the homeless. And so just dialing this back a bit, Sammy, heading into this next round of funding, what were you and your team hoping to accomplish? I think like like most agencies, um, the main goal was to secure enough funds from the region to just support our current programs. We applied for additional um, funding and we'll talk about that in a bit, but we wanted to make sure that we could run our shelter with excellence to support the people who we're already in relationship with and and to just, um, I don't think we were looking at, at, at that time of expanding the hostel program so much as just making sure we had a good solid funding for the next three years. So we had that stability and that security to do what we do really, really well. Yeah, we've had history where all of a sudden through that funding proposal process, uh, we've discovered that all of a sudden for the next 
30 months or 36 months, we were being forced to operate on substantively less. And yes. so, yes. you know, so, so that our, our uh, listeners understand, uh, this is no sure thing. Uh, you go into it every time, kind of hitting the reset button and you're, you're never really sure. So it's interesting that your, your first things, first priority is just to be able to maintain what we've been doing and deliver the emergency hostel and some of the supports that we have in place for our existing uh, residents. Yeah. Knowing correct. and just go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say to and to be able to do that well. So we can do that on on a shoestring budget, but to be able to do it well, to have the actual funds to do what we're so passionate about and that we see is a real need, to be able to do that with adequate funding and to do that well, it was was like my main goal. One of the things that's emerged too that people might not understand is that there are different streams that you can apply for funding. It's the 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 dollars that the province designates to regions and that the region stewards here in Niagara for homelessness, that gets divvied up into these different streams. And they're not all, in fact, they're not even the majority necessarily, uh, devoted to emergency sheltering. So can no. you describe some of the various streams of funding and kind of what's out there? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, there's the emergency hostel funding, but then there is like prevention funding um, which we applied for. And then there is like outreach funding, um, um, housing supports funding. So we ended up um, applying for five streams of funding in the end, um, which was, um, yeah, it was quite a, a significant undertaking to apply for all five streams. And um, we applied for hostel funding, outreach diversion and i can dig into these a little bit later if you want and explain what each one is for, for listeners but we yeah so hostel outreach diversion home for good and housing first were the five streams that we applied for so and and sammy knowing that there have been previous eras where our funding applications uh haven't gone so well and we we have applied for other streams before and not received funding what were you thinking or expecting heading into to this <laughs> round, knowing that we were completing and applying uh, for five of these different uh, funding streams? Uh, <laughs> what was I thinking? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, no, uh, what I was thinking, I definitely we did we didn't expect to receive funding for all the five streams that we applied for. We expected to maybe receive funding for three. So we uh, that was a shock that we got all five. However, that being said, it's very good that we got all five streams of funding because now with our idea of one-stop shop um, and having like this fully rounded funding system, we can now support people better than we've ever, ever been able to. So for instance, if somebody is on the street prior to this funding we would have had to have somebody another agency try to connect them with Southridge where now we've got Southridge staff out there connecting with people under bridges and um, in encampments and working with them to try and get them either in directly into shelter which we're funded for or even potentially into one of the housing programs uh, home for good or housing first which we're funded for so Essentially, like the fact that we the fact that we got funding for all five was a shock, 
but it's it's a it could be a beautiful picture because it makes those transitions much easier and much smoother for the clients to work with one agency who they have a relationship with who they trust um to actually offer the best support for those clients that makes sense it, it totally does so just to to dial it back for our listeners um for the first time we applied for five different funding streams and knowing that we had been rejected in uh, previous years for a number of different ones we were pleasantly surprised and maybe even shocked to some degree to receive funding approvals for all five of our applications um i guess first things first why do you think this time around we were successful in our proposals and our requests I, what, what was different think, this time um well the the proposal system itself had slightly changed the platforms for for putting in proposals so that had one element to it but i believe i honestly believe the biggest difference is it's 30 months since we last applied for funding and in the last 30 months like Southridge has worked really diligently at collaborating with other agencies we have um, in the last 30 months um, kind of gathered data to prove that we are successful at reducing homelessness and this stream of funding they actually wanted data to back up the decisions they made where prior to this it had been um, more narrative driven so the fact that we've worked diligently on collaborating with other agencies and the fact that we had data to back up what we do was super helpful because the uh, the region are trying to make more of a coordinated access to the system, uh, like a, a system-wide approach to treating homelessness rather than an agency-specific approach. So the fact that we collaborated with other agencies and want to work well to serve our people, um, I think that, that spoke huge volumes to the region. And again, then we had the, the, the data and to back up what we, to, to prove that we do what we say we do. We've, we've spoken in previous podcasts, both with yourself and with David Michaels, about this phrase called the hub model. The yeah. hub model that, that basically, you know, tries to, to, to view a, 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 prospectively homeless person as a, the hub of a wheel and to connect as many spokes together in partnership to provide the most comprehensive care to an individual. And it feels like, especially over the last 30 months, both in the services that we've been able to provide as Southridge proper and in the way that we've been able to partner and collaborate more and better with other agencies it feels like we've become much more of a hub ourselves to more comprehensively yeah. serve the homeless. Um, you know, and it feels like the yeah. region is valuing those who have the capacity to function like a hub to a greater degree. Yeah. It feels like both of those were converging in this, in this round of funding. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you work from a hub model, Ultimately, at the end of the day, what we want and what the region want is for people experiencing homelessness to have access to whatever that support looks like. So if you have a hub model, you have it's not just one stream of like support. You have access to all kinds of different supports because different people require different things. So I think the region, that's the, the focus that they, they are headed towards. And I think because we've already been headed that way, it just it just helped like um, prove our uh, 
I don't want to say reputation, but prove that that we actually are in this for the serious business of moving people successfully out of homelessness into something more stable. Right. Uh, now, I believe our listeners, if they've been tracking, understand that, number one, we offer an emergency hostel. Number two, that we have a, a, a comprehensive program, both through our coaching and through this department called Housing First. And so we're a housing focused shelter, not a sheltering focused shelter. We want to get people uh, as much as possible, as soon as possible into housing. Uh, we believe that and that value certainly tracks with the region and the, the government's approach. Uh, in addition to those two streams, though, the, the emergency hostel stream and the housing first stream, uh, describe in a bit more detail the other streams and now the new ministry opportunities that we have to more comprehensively serve the homeless. Yeah, for sure. So um, one of the most exciting streams, I would say for us, is the outreach funding. So we got funded to work with the region and we also secured additional funding through the city of St. Catharines for some outreach workers. So outreach, um, basically their job is to go out to encampments um, and to find people who wouldn't necessarily wander into shelter or manage just to secure housing on their own. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we've got two full-time positions um, in outreach now to work in collaboration with the Raft, which is a youth-based shelter, and Gateway um, to make sure the entire region is covered so that nobody should, if um, if you're walking down the street and you see that Joe Blow has been sleeping on the street for a few nights, you should be able to connect um, with Southridge and get one of our outreach workers to go out and actually help get that uh, person housed. So that's very exciting because we've always felt that was a lack in the system for us. And we've applied for it many times in the past and never got that. So that was a huge win for us. We're excited about that. So that's outreach. And, one and of the I hope everyone, I know in outreach. church terms, you know, we use the word outreach a million yeah. different ways in church. So you know, an outreach role in the, in the economy of homelessness uh, is a very technical kind of support right at that, at the yes. ground level, uh, you know, yeah. where you are reaching out you know, under the bridge or on the park bench or in the woods and, and finding people who otherwise wouldn't initiate engaging in the system of supports for the homeless. Yes. And, yeah. and I think, again, because we're, I mean, our focus as a church and a shelter is relationships and friendships make the difference. I think that's something that Southridge uniquely does in a beautiful way. And I think to have um, our staff going out onto the streets to try and connect people to get them into shelter. Um, it can take some time and, and uh, yeah, you need to build up that relational equity. So I just think that the, the staff who've got this role, they're going to play such a, a significant part in, in helping people access from that park bench or under that bridge to get into shelter, to get housed. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, another uh, one that we got funding for is uh, called Diversion. David Michaels yes. and I talked about diversion, so you can just summarize it quickly for us. When David and I talked about it in a podcast, we weren't being funded for it. We just tried it as a bit of an experiment because we felt like it was the right thing to do to contribute yeah. to uh, eradicating homelessness. And now we're being funded for it, which is kind of cool. So describe diversion just as, as a summary. Yeah, that is 
is kind of cool. Um, and what's interesting about that, that's where the data kicked in. So the region initially on the first, the proposal, this is a new kind of proposal system. Like I mentioned, there is negotiations involved. So they will reach out to you and say, maybe we're going to fund you for this, or maybe we can only fund a certain portion. So initially they, they um, said that they were not going to fund diversion. And then, but they wanted to go into a conversation with us, like a negotiation. And we were able to produce the data and that backed up how successful diversion is. So that was a pretty cool um, yeah, experience. So diversion, we um, it's a full-time position that we have somebody in and they would, um, before somebody completes an intake into the shelter, Rachel is, is the diversion worker. Rachel will talk to them and chat with them and try and do anything and everything to support them that the shelter would be their last um, stop, that it would be a, a last choice. So maybe somebody has an auntie in Park Holborn who could put them up. And that's a better option than coming into the shelter. Because what happens is once somebody comes into the shelter, there's always the risk that then you will identify yourself as homeless rather than someone who's experiencing homelessness. There's a subtle difference. So if we can keep people out of the shelter, um, they don't they don't start to um, identify themselves as homeless. They are at risk of becoming homeless. So, so right. long story short, Rachel can maybe get you to your auntie's house in Port Colburn, or maybe um, you could, Rachel's spoken to mums or, or relatives that have kicked people out, and she's been able to help them manage that conflict and set up anger management classes and things to get people back together so it's been a really cool program to see and yeah we've been funded it for the next two years that one is that's a two-year funding stream but and, yeah that's pretty exciting and so in addition to outreach diversion emergency shelter and housing first what's the fifth funding stream that we receive funding for so the fifth funding stream is called home for good so it's very similar in nature to Housing First in that you would be given a case manager, a worker to walk alongside you. You would be given, if you're eligible, which most people are, a subsidy to make housing an affordable option for you. But how, Home for Good is more for, we, we joke and call it that it's Housing First on steroids because along with the worker and the subsidy, it's for more. It's for people who are experiencing more complex issues, for people with severe mental health or significant addictions, because with that worker and the subsidy, you get access to an occupational therapist, to an addictions worker through CASN, to a mental health worker through the region. It's definitely more of a wraparound team that would work with the client, whereas Housing First is one worker and a subsidy. This is several workers and a subsidy. Um, so it's it's um, it's basically for people who have significant complex needs that need more support than, than most. So it's the Uber hub model. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, kind of wrapping this up, where, where we wanted to go today is for, for people to appreciate just how much our shelter ministry is expanding because bottom, bottom line, Sammy, you now find yourself having to deliver on these contracts and deliver these services by expanding our capacity through hiring additional staff. It's yeah. a totally odd place that we find ourselves as a ministry, knowing that in so much of our society, you know, unemployment and government benefits and, 
you know, things are, are ravaging households in light of COVID. But uh, in our shelter ministry, we're actually e- expanding considerably, hiring in pretty much every one of these different facets uh, where we've received uh, funding approvals. And so, uh, you know, knowing that we're looking for roles in each of these uh, funding streams, uh, what should someone do if they're interested in exploring one of these roles or if, if they've got a friend or maybe a family member or someone that they feel would be passionate for this and maybe a great fit on our church team uh, to fill one of these roles? What should they do? I mean, they can, so the postings are on social media, but they can email me, David Michaels, our shelter supports director, um, for any information. We can send the job posting. We can call and just have a general chat to, to give more information. But yeah, just reach out to myself um, at skenny at southridgechurch.cc or David Michaels. Either of us would be able to send along the job posting and to discuss it and we'd be more than happy to chat over each individual role and what that looks like. Um, yeah, just reach out to us. And what would you say, knowing that each role does have some kind of unique passion and specific uh, skill set to it, um, what would you say as kind of a general comment to our listeners about the kind of people that you're looking for to add to these teams? So... I think the most important part of, of being a good fit is in the team would be understanding who Southridge is at its core. I remember when I was asked to come on staff into a coaching role and um, Brent Esau and Tim Arnold said, I said, I really don't understand what I would be doing if I'm coaching. And they said, it doesn't matter. We can teach you the tasks. You just need Southridge DNA. And that's always stuck with me. So, I would ask for people not to not to be too um, caught up on if they could deliver the tasks. The tasks are teachable. It's the Southridge DNA of understanding who we are at our core, that we like to walk alongside people. We're not in the business of fixing people. It's that um, reciprocal relationship that is going to make the difference in people's lives, in your life, in as a staff, or as, in any of our roles as a volunteer or as, or as a client. It's understanding that would be if you can get your head around and fully on board in who Southridge is and what we do and why we do it the tasks are easy we can we can definitely equip people with that so yeah just are you fully into Southridge and who we are and what we do and want to work with people on the margins then yeah reach out to us that's all it takes isn't it (laughs) easy easy peasy so easy easy. (laughs) hey uh knowing that you've been kind of doubling down now, uh, focusing on trying to adapt this ministry to the COVID reality and knowing, you know, we've lost our capacity to, to leverage volunteers and, you know, the physical distancing requirements and all kinds of things, extra sanitization and things that you've got to pay attention to in the shelter. That's its own crisis, you know, and then on top of this, you've got this uh, ministry expansion and hiring process kind of looming uh you've been uh kind of busy these days we'll say on top of uh neglecting your homeschooling of james um yeah. <laughs> as we wrap up sammy do you have any final encouragements or challenges to our members who are listening when it comes to this opportunity and expanded capacity to serve the homeless particularly i would say in this unprecedented time of crisis that we find ourselves in yeah i would ask that um uh as a challenge, I would just, it's not even a challenge, it's just a request. 
like knowing that our God is a big God and he can take care of all this, I would still ask that people pray for protection over the shelter and the staff. For um, I'm just every day praying for uh, a miracle that COVID does not get into the shelter system. So I would just ask every single listener to pray for protection over the shelter. Um, and yeah, even though we've had to cut back on volunteers, there's still many ways that people can help. So um, there's a list of needs on the website. Um, but generally, if you want to donate fresh fruit, a towel, the bedding, those kinds of things, you can just call the shelter ahead of time and they put out like a plastic tote and you can just drop off your donation without coming in. Um, but prayer would be the, the big thing. Pray that um, God would send the right staff to come along into these roles for his glory and that we would just be protected from this COVID virus. Mm. Yep. To quote Samantha Kenny. Pray for me. I'm busy working. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I love that. that one. Just pray for me. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, as we wrap things up, it is so cool to see the way that God has not only guided but provided, uh, at least for the next next three years, uh, some really amazing opportunities for us to not only serve the homeless but to help eradicate homelessness in St. Catharines and across Niagara. Sammy, thanks for joining us, and thanks to all of you for uh, checking in again and tracking along with us as we continue uh, finding our way together. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone.